and a labor shortage the likes of which employers have never seen before. But as business picks up, he says hiring staff to meet the demand has been challenging. Immigration is at a relative standstill. Imagine being poised to reopen or ramp up after months of lockdowns, only to be short one essential part of your business, workers. The labor shortage is all around us, but I don't know why. This year in March, there was over a million job vacancies across Canada. Is it all because of COVID? There are so many different sides to this issue, from the new lifestyle of working from home to immigration or wages not matching the cost of living. In this three-part series, I will look deeper into all sides, from the hospitality sector to the construction industry and even those working in the employment services. What's happened to the nine to five? It's like being behind a ball all the time. So we are trying to hire two, we lose one. And many workers are choosing government support. He's now having to find new ways to attract prospective employees. Uh, and it's like, it's, it's hard, getting hard to compete at this point. Starting off by talking about my own experience. Last summer, uh, summer of 2021, I started working at a restaurant in Blue Mountain that my dad had already been working as a chef at. They were very short staff and offered me roughly $18 an hour to be a dishwasher. So I worked there for about two weeks before my dad invited his good friend down from Alberta to also work as a chef, and we invited my best friend Karis from Ottawa to work as a dishwasher. After a little while, I moved up to the front of the kitchen to make salads and desserts, and Karis kept dishwashing, and she also helped with plating as well. So we were all driving to and from Hanover in order to work at this restaurant, because they were so, so short-staffed, and this restaurant's about like an hour and a half away. Some days it was only the four of us in the kitchen. We were also working really long days because my dad was working around 14-hour days, and he was our ride. So it became pretty chaotic, and it was a difficult and tiring summer. But it ended up being a good experience because it, was, it made future jobs uh, seem a lot easier for me. I ended up having a lot of fun that summer because I was working with my best friend and my dad, but it was stressful. Some nights were really busy, and I had also never worked in a kitchen before. Um, well, actually, this was kind of my first real job besides acting and babysitting. So it was never mind just my first job. It was also in a kitchen, which if you have ever worked in a kitchen, you know how stressful they can be. And never mind one with so few people working. One of the first couple times I had ever done salads, it was a really busy Saturday night and the orders just would not stop coming. And I ended up basically crying because I felt like I was doing everything wrong and we were so short staffed and I couldn't really ask somebody else to leave what they were doing and come help me because like I've said, we had very limited people and they can't leave their job to come help me out. Later in the summer, I did end up getting used to it and was able to handle those nights. But the first couple of times were a disaster for me. And like I said, we were also working really long days, not including the hour and a half drive to get there and then back again at the end of the night. So I was tired. And lastly, I was working with my dad. And if you've ever worked with family before, you know that it's great until you're both stressed and you're yelling at each other and there's people around you. And the restaurant that I worked at was an open kitchen. So customers could hear everything that was going on in the kitchen. And there's enough yelling in a kitchen in general, never mind when you're working with your dad. So it became a pretty stressful summer and it was, it was difficult, but it was a cool experience. And this is just my own personal story. And with so much happening around the world, I spoke to Diane, an immigration agent for New Roots Canada and ICL Immigration. And I asked her about the labor shortage we are facing and how does that relate to immigration? Um, you know what, if I, think, I think that there's, that there's several reasons for that. Um, and I, I think that as far as getting 
immigrants in and filling in these shortages because remember it's not only COVID it's also because our baby boomers are, are all retiring so um, that is creating like quite a quite a huge void in our in our workforce um, but because of because of COVID COVID closures and whatever the the uh, ESDC who deal with 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 LMIAs and the RSCC that deal with work permits and obviously authorizing people to come in everybody's backlogged everybody's backlogged backlogged that word hits hard it reminds me of being behind on orders in the kitchen with my dad but this is different having over a six month delay in someone's work permit being processed by the Canadian government is crazy. But rather than resorting to blaming the government, Diane reminded me of our current global situation. Well, uh, according according to the, the RTC website, they've got the disclaimers that explain that they are dealing with with backlogs, and they had the the, the Afghanistan uh, um, the, the the Afghanistan crisis, um, the Ukrainian crisis on top of COVID. So, you know, every time that that there's a there's a crisis, they the priority of immigration because we are Canada and Canada is is an open armed country um, to, to to a certain extent um, that you know people in need do get priority at those times and I do love how Canada is quick to help in the global humanitarian crisis and I guess that makes sense how we do sometimes prioritize refugees over only skilled immigrants however for skilled immigrants it's not so easy for them to work in their profession either Okay, so the process—the process that there's there's so many routes, there's so many routes to Canada, and every route has got their own criteria and uh, that 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 has to be met. But for the basic um, the basic work permit, the the, the 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 person that comes in that's got skills and education that comes in on a work permit has so an employer in order for them to hire an outsider, a foreigner, they have to get permission. Um, and this they get get either either via what we call an, an LMIA, which is a labour market impact assessment. Um, this way, they have to prove to the labour department that they um, that they have actually tried to to form the positions with Canadians. And um, failing that, they are now looking outside. They have to do a whole advertising campaign. Like it's a it's an entire process. So once this is done and they've they've now selected the the person from the foreigner that wants to come, um, that foreigner then has to get his credentials assessed. So for example, a lawyer coming in from an from an outside country to Canada, um, they can't start practicing as a lawyer because they have to go through the the, the licensing and regulations. Um, and this can take this can can take months. This can this this can take years, and is really expensive. The same thing for doctors, uh, pharmacists. Is that the reason? Well, a reason why there are such big wait times in hospitals for physiotherapists, chiropractors, and other related skilled services. Someone who worked in the health industry gave us a tip about how now, as the workplace is moving towards more of a better work-life balance, there may not be as many people willing to do overtime hours as in the past. I don't know how true that is for everyone's situation, because I can imagine now many people must be working overtime. Like any issue, it's not so simple in black or white, but all this is giving me a little bit more clarity. I wonder what other people think. I'm going to go for a walk with my microphone and have a chat with some random people about what they think caused the labor shortage and what should be done about it. 
I'm actually quite boggled that we have such a labor shortage, really, because we don't have a lack of people in our province or our country, but there seems to definitely have been a shift in uh, where the people have gone. And perhaps part of it is people who were working in certain industries have been at home and realized that doing something where they can work at home uh, is more beneficial to their lifestyle. And it has to do with the pandemic that started. That is the reason. Now people are afraid to come into work because they fear and other people don't want to be there because they don't want jobs anymore because um, they don't want to be social anymore. I work, I'm 64, I went and got a job again because I'm social. I like to work and I like people and being around people and I've never stopped that. Um, having a little bit of a labor shortage every now and then is a good thing because if um, that way the employers have to compete for employees rather than employees competing for employers. So if you have um, no labor shortage, then the employees, there's going to be some who are perpetually out of work and it will also drive down wages and less likely to have benefits, stuff like that. Whereas if uh, the employers have to compete for employees, then be able to pay them more. And that's one of the things that would make minimum wage unnecessary because um, uh, an employee decide, sorry, an employer decides to pay an employee uh, two dollars an hour. Well, no one's going to work for them, and they won't have to. I didn't expect such responses and different opinions, and that's our goal for this investigative series. It's to explore the many different sides and perspectives of this issue. However, I didn't really consider the point the woman said about the pandemic creating a fear-like culture or resistance for people to work. The last gentleman said that having a labor shortage has its benefits for employees because the employers have to make the positions more attractive with pay and benefits. But is that sustainable? A question we will have to find the answer to in future episodes. I spoke with a general manager who owns three franchise businesses, and he told me that he has had to close walk-in and dine-in eating options and can only operate the drive throughs because of the lack of workers. He's owned these businesses for the past 14 years and has never faced something like this before. He said that he has to find workers from outside of Canada, and he has to go pick them up from the airport and sort out all of their housing. He also said he's just recently picked up two new guys who come from Barbados, and he still needs a lot more help. Continuing with the direction of the hospitality industry, Steph has worked in the area as a chef for a while now, and I found that he has some very interesting insights. So we started off with talking about how the labor shortage personally affected him. Personally affected me. Um, it's, it's really hard to find uh, qualified people in the industry. Um, we get a lot of people with no experience, uh, so it's uh, it's it's been a challenge that way. Um, right now, I'm I'm based out of Paisley, is where I do my work. I live in Hanover, um, so we're lucky because uh, Paisley is a pretty small community. So there's a lot of younger people that are that are, are not that don't have cars or aren't traveling as much. So we have a core group of people that live in Paisley that that aren't going to be moving anytime soon so 
we're lucky with that core, but but once business increases and we need more people, it's it's really hard to get people from out of town. A for travel and B there's shortages because there's shortages in all industries, but the hospitality industry is notorious for for shortages. Shortages in all industries, but notorious for the hospitality industry. Something I always notice about working in the hospitality industry is how horrible the hours can be for chefs. Early morning starts and late night finishes. However, when COVID hit and the demand decreased, I learned how many chefs actually use this opportunity as a lifestyle switch. So you got a, a guy that's like me, say a, a chef and, and say in downtown Toronto and oh, he gets a big contract. It's, it's a $90,000 a year contract. That's huge money, but he's literally working 80 hours a week. So now it's become if you actually mathematically break it down, it's two jobs. So he's doing $45,000 a year twice. So all of a sudden the pandemic hits, his restaurant gets shut down or, or he's laid off for three months and uh, all of a sudden he's he's driving truck for UPS and he's making a decent living, $1,000 a week, let's say that for, for example. And uh, he gets a part-time job bartending one night a week and boom, he's back to where he was before, but now he's got a daytime job. He's off at night. He's gone one night a week. He spends time with his wife, kids, whatever, or whatever it might be. He's got more free time. So because the pandemic led to many skilled workers leaving the industry, how about now? As COVID is no longer affecting our everyday lives, are chefs and other skilled workers returning back to the industry? Is it hard to find skilled workers? It's very hard finding skilled workers. Um, it's also hard to find people. Uh, people that are willing to work um, I, I don't I don't want to use the term lazy because you know every generation on is the same thing you know m- the generation before me used to say to me like well when we were your age and blah 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 so so on so forth so I, I where I'm at now we try to grow and fit the, the, the needs of the new generations or whatever maybe so you know, like they talk about a four-day work week or they talk about flexible hours. In this industry, it's something that was never, ever possible before. You'd be like, you show up and that's it and don't cry after 12 hours kind of thing. Um, so uh, to answer your question, sorry, I got off track there, but uh, uh, it, it's, a, it's a challenge. Um, some people are willing to learn, but I find generally I would say 80% of the time the people that are willing to work. I, I, we just hired a young, for example, a young man. Uh, he's 14 years old, first job ever, and it's as green as green can be. And you just you just have to have them in your mindset that 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 it is a 14 year old, and and that he's never worked anywhere. Um, so, you know, no pun intended, but you have to treat him with kid's glove. And uh, he's a super hard worker, and and I'd have him by my side over some some high skilled people that are maybe not so nice or more negative in the kitchen. Interesting. So Steph would prefer a young person who doesn't necessarily know much or who isn't particularly skilled, but they are teachable and hardworking. As a young person myself, we do hear quite often that we are lazy and that we couldn't survive without our phones and all the rest of that stuff. But Steph did just say that when he was younger, the older generation said the same about them. So then let's explore that. How can we go against this generational cycle and rise to the occasion? It's hard. I, I it, it's a it, that's a tough question. Um, sometimes it seems y- youth don't necessarily want to work. Um, there's there's so much out there now than before when I was 
the youth, you know, if you wanted to uh, make tons of money, you either practice a sport, singing, acting, whatever, and then you became a superstar. So that was very slim chances of those things happening. Um, so most youth started washing dishes or paper route, babysitting, da-da-da-da-da-da. So, but now, you know, with um, the digital world or, or whatnot, like a lot of youth, you know, they, they start making videos, they make money, they do editing, they do whatever they might do. They, so I think to actually get a physical job, um, it's hard. I think for my industry, they have to want to be in the industry or they want to, I'd, I'd take a, a student that would want to just pay his way through education, whatever his education might be. Um, it'd be a good, it's a good job to do. But it's a, there's also, whereas in like back when I was a youth, my industry had basically was the, the I don't want to say the rejects, but it was like, oh, you failed in school, you have no no spot in society. Off you go to a restaurant to do dishes and cook or bartender or whatever. Um, now it's become a um, sustainable career. I think. I think now. I think now you can, like, I make a good living at it now. Um, it's not something. Uh, People my age, when I was your age, did not make, didn't do as well as we would do now. I still had so many questions for him, especially on this last idea of how us young people can be the solution to the problem and not burden it. I wonder if young people can respond to this. Actually, no, I take that back. I wonder how us young people can respond to the labor shortage. Obviously, we can't just become professionals overnight, but I wonder what individual and personal steps we can all take to help. I guess we can start with what Steph said about good character traits, be teachable, and hardworking. That's good. Let's start there. <laughs>